It's Monday night, it's 9 o'clock, well it's actually just after 9, that's uh, that's our fault here at East FM 88.1, 107.1, I'm Jim Birchall, you're here for Occam's Razor episode 15, I think it's 15 Mark, 15 or 14, let's go with 15. Lost He's lost count. Mark Capel, paranormal investigator, is in the studio as he often is, and he's actually been setting up a few lights and recording equipment for the documentary you're making, Mark. Give your documentary a little bit of a plug while you're here. I appreciate that, Jim. Um, it is on New Zealand's Bigfoot, or Moihau Man, uh, one of its many names in New Zealand, uh, Rapawai, um, the Mararoro, excuse the pronunciation. So, uh, yes. That so sounded about right to me, mate. I tried. You tried your best. But luckily we have uh, an expert, I think, in Tadeo in the... Well, more of an expert than Mark, anyway, in today. Oh, sure. <laughs> Special guest tonight, Devin Wally. Pronounced Wally? Yeah, yeah. How are you, Devin? I'm right. good, thanks. Uh, you're here to um, bring across your thoughts um, and share your experiences of when you went to the um, territory where Mark goes to look for the Moorhound Man or the New Zealand's Bigfoot, which we've touched on uh, extensively on this show. You're also a fan of uh, forbidden archaeology and Maori myths and legend, and, and obviously you've got an interest in the Moorhound Man as well. How did you how did you get that interest? Um, oh, I guess a lot of it started back when I was young. Um, I had a few experience, few paranormal experiences that opened my eyes to things. Um, what sort of stuff? Um, a, more ghostly stuff that I've experienced when I was younger. Um, one, namely, the big experience that I had was actually seeing an apparition at um, my gr- my grandmother's place. She actually passed the, away there as well um, okay. about ten or so years ago, but. This is going back, like I've I've just turned 30. This would have been probably when I was about six or seven years old. Sure. And, um, and was it a full-bodied apparition or what, what are you dealing with? Um, yeah, a full-body apparition. Um, the person wasn't looking at me. I don't know whether they even acknowledged I was there or not. I just noticed somebody unusual leaning out over the balcony whilst visiting my grandparents. Um, cousins and I were playing outside. It wasn't a drunk uncle or anything, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> Um, this guy was um, older than my grandparents were at the time. Like he was yep. wearing a, a long sleeve uh, maroon checkered shirt. Um, he had a pair of old faded jeans and sort of like a, a bush bush shirt, sort of from the fifties, sixties, something like um, that. Yeah, some, something similar to that. Yep. And he had some old sort of brown boat sort of shoes on. But what what the creepy part of the story is? Um, actually catching up with family many many years later. Um, it was just after. Would have been, I would have been about 18 or 19. I was at a family gathering and it came up about my grandmother's old house. And yeah, my uncle had had a, a few experiences there of his own and he described experiences with an old man. Was that right? Yeah. Was, um, where was the land? Was it up the north of New Zealand or? Um, no, this was in uh, Manirewa. In Manirewa, okay. So South yep. Auckland. Yeah, South Auckland. Okay. Yep. Um, pretty rich sort of indigenous Maori culture in those areas though as well. You find a lot of, um, scattered around the volcanic uh, areas, you find a lot of, um, you know, kumara pits or sweet potato pits and that sort of stuff. That's right. It's an area that was inhabited, you know, by the indigenous people and, and lived in by, the, by them as well. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of spook central really, isn't it? It is, yeah. And if... Um there are the many stories that are also out there of uh, supposedly people here before 
you know, mm-hmm. before the Māori people, Māori people have uh, stories of um, people that they encountered when they first came to what we now call Aotearoa. Now, it's obviously a point of conjecture in New Zealand. Um, it's, it is. It's an established, well, not an established fact, but an ex- it's fair enough to say an accepted fact that um, Māori were the indigenous people of New Zealand or at least arrived before anyone else did. Um, but obviously that's a counterclaim to that. And there, there has been arguments, I've seen even um, people talking about Chinese being the first to visit New Zealand or, or settlement um, um, even before the Māori. But you've got other ideas, haven't you? Um, uh, I just referenced the, the stories that I've also read from older um, Komatua and what have you. Um, a Komatua, for those listening, is a respected elder within... Yes. Within uh, Maoridom. Yeah, learn knowledge of um, their people and their iwi and hapu and what have you. Um, but there are some very interesting um, accounts and stories out there of um, people and other things encountered in our country. Sure. That's, um, yeah, where a lot of my sort of interest comes from too. I've seen um, you've done a bit of research on the possibility of giants or giant skeletons being found in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, well, there's, funnily enough, those are also mentioned in Māori myth as well. Um, what stories do they talk about? Um, namely, uh, a taller race of people, not, not mentioned as um, a hairy hominoid or anything like that, mainly yep. another sort of tribe of people. Yep. Um, usually mentioned as um, lighter of skin complexion, um, a, a reddish sort of, um, probably what I've heard is akin to Native American sort of skin colour, yep. um, with uh, anything from auburn, from blonde to auburn to uh, reddish coloured hair, basically. Oh, is that right? But, um, you know, these, these are the stories. And What's the science on that? I mean, has, has there been any, um, you know, respected historians or anything advance a theory, um, you know, towards that way of thinking? Um, well, it, it's funny you mention that because a lot of the skeletons are, that are found throughout the world um, that are picked up by muse and, museums and things, they do attribute um, some of the hair change... Um, due to environmental factors, for example, somebody could have had black or brown hair, but due to um, yeah the environmental factors of where the body was, the hair could turn. So lightened by the colour. sun or something like that. Or yeah, yeah, but in, in perhaps a lot the of diet these, as well. Um, if you're eating a whole lot of uh, red sweet potatoes or kumara, your hair <laughs> your hair might turn red as well. You know, if that's your core. But I mean, if that's your you hear all these stories about people eating carrots and, and turning orange, and I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe the same's happening with, with Kumara, I'm not sure. It's a bit of carotene. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what I know of giants is basically what I've read in, in paranormal um, literature and on the internet and yep. and, and pictures of um, Photoshop, pictures of, of giant skulls and so forth. There is a few um instances in history where it's probably not as um explained away as easily like the giant giants of um castanot in france um which which basically was three bones that were uh, discovered around 1890 um and depending on what you attribute each bone to be um there's a bit of conjecture over what's a tibia and what's a fibula and all this sort of stuff um these the skeleton was is proposed 
to be sort of 11 feet tall. Wow. So, I mean, have we just got a genetic freak here? Well, I mean, for me, I would have to see sort of a whole village of 11-foot-tall people to think there's some sort of missing link, you know, yeah. in, in, in anthropology of, of the area. But I don't know where you sit with that. It does tie into to the, the myths that... I don't like to use the word myths, but let's let's go with the... Um, what's a good word? Hmm... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're almost like woven into the rips, rich tapestry of, of um, you know Maori, uh, almost New underst- Zealand origins. Yeah, basically. the origins of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. How did you get involved with Mark uh, on this Moihau Man project? Um, I uh, th- through like my in my own time doing my own research and things. I had and obviously in reading the stories. I'd often wondered if anybody had taken the time or the effort to explore our country because I know there are a lot of places um, in Aotearoa that are vastly unexplored by foot, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, we spoke last week, was it Mark, or I think with our friend Sam who came in last week and we were talking about the, you know, the depths of Fiordland where they once released yeah. moose and, and people have seen sort of moose and... and Long extinct birds such as the moor and things like that, but the terrain does does lend itself to that. Um, there's it plenty does. of places to hide, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine there'd be plenty of food as well if there were. And that's the thing: you could have a breeding population because one beast isn't just going to survive by itself. Unless Mark, you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? Uh, do tell me. Um, <laughs> unless it's a trans-dimensional being. Yes, interdimensional that may mm. be used portals or an interdimensional moose. Perhaps. What is that cool noise? Do that again. Go oh, that's, on. That's a coffee cup. I think it's a coffee cup with this. Oh, it sounds like something off Doctor Who. That is crude. That's some Dalek vibes right there. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to your to your Moyhow, um experience, Mark. Just paint the picture. Um, you thought you'd bring Devin down because obviously he showed an interest in doing that, and also for you know some objectivity to the whole thing. Um, so, what were you hoping to achieve when you when you bought bought a visitor, effectively? Well, I've been investigating this particular area for about three years now, where strange things have been happening, and I've been wanting to take somebody with me to witness what's going on. Now, you have to be very careful about when you take someone into a research area because it can actually compromise the area. You can get people that might come in and play a joke, like they'll hoax, or um, You'll, you'll get you know, um, too many people trespassing and just destroying the research area. So I was very careful about who I allowed to go with me. And Devin's been the only one that, um, in that time that has gone in there with me about five months ago. And he had um, conversed with me via email about his interests in New Zealand's Bigfoot. And he had a, a really good grasp, and also not only just the European aspect but also with the, the Maori traditions and the folklore sure and he, he knew some things that I didn't know and uh, so I thought he was like the, the perfect person and also because he had a little bit of an um, archaeological history as well I took him in um, I said look when I take you in here just have an open mind um, have a look around d- just listen very carefully um, and so what I'd like to do is have him uh, express what he experienced there without me having any input. Um, for those of you that follow what I do, um, know some of the stuff that's happened out there. So I was really hoping, I didn't know what was going to happen. I said, look, I can't promise anything to you, Devin, but something might happen. Okay. 
And what happened? Well, I have to say it was a, a very interesting location. Um, I, for one, was looking for all sorts of reasons to explain these trees that were torn down, basically. I um, always approach things with an open mind and was... Um, was that one of the first things you noticed when you got to the to the research area? Yeah, well, th- these trees, um, some of them, I definitely wouldn't even be able to put your arms around them. They're that yep. big. Um, I so it's going to take take a you know fairly substantial sized beast to knock one of those over. It, yeah, a yeah. tremendous amount of force. And okay. that's those and trees. Mark's just showing us a picture at the moment of um, some of the fallen trees. Okay, that's. Yeah, you got to have a few gym muscles to do that, don't you? Yeah, hey? definitely. Like, like a digger or two. You won't be skipping leg day <laughs> if you're ripping those size trees out of the ground. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing was they weren't all sort of pointing in one direction. Like it wasn't like a, a, a wind had come so from. So it wasn't a weather-beaten thing like a, you'll see trees on the coastline that are all facing the other opposite direction. Yeah. They, or the direction of the wind. They were all splayed and uh, we also... Well, that, sorry, when you say splayed... Sort of like someone's run through there and knocked them all over. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Um, it's it's hard to imagine how it was actually done, but they, they have definitely been ripped down. But it's like um, they weren't all facing in one direction, so I, I had to rule out weather being the issue. Yep. We even discussed the possibility of it being a tornado, but it was just way way too out there. There would have been debris, mm. other obvious damage. Um, what were the weather conditions like when you went there? Um, it was an overcast day, but it was pretty dry. Yep. Um, it had been wet in the weeks prior, so it was pretty slippery there. Because I know that area, the Coromandel Ranges and stuff, gets you know it, tra- it attracts its fair amount of, of wet weather, doesn't it? So it, yeah, it does. Yeah, um, you do have to be very careful, and um, yeah, safety's top priority when you're out there. So absolutely, Mark, did you take all the appropriate? Um, you know, safety precautions. Did you wear a reflective vest, for instance? Uh, that's kind of like the joke I have with New Zealand. How do you know you're in New Zealand? Well, the soldiers wear camouflage, <laughs> uh, reflective camouflage, yeah. Yeah. because everyone has flora. But, um, yeah, no, safety was of the utmost important importance. And um, as I said to Devin, that this really, this kind of area, you need to be pretty fit to get in there because you have to actually climb to get out of there. Um, you, we're using vines. And even though it was dry, it was still pretty slippery. Yeah. It's just not the area you would, you would do a family pic- picnic. Sure. What happened after that? Um, we ventured uh, down and in further into the sort of the gully, and um, we went and had a look across at the tree where Mark had um, taken the photo of the anomaly. And <clears throat> I again was looking for things to, you know, possibly explain what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, again. I couldn't... Um, Just explain to us what we're looking at here, mate. Um, well, this here is the tree, uh, right with the, the torn tree. I actually got an anomaly in this tree, but there's a symbol carved into it. It almost looks like the Eye of Horus. Now, I know another researcher in the South Island who gets glyphs, what's called glyphs, um, symbols made with twigs of the similar sim- symbol, very similar to this. So I think whatever's going on there, that may have something to do with what what's carved into here um it's pretty strange isn't it? I it mean, is, the location yeah. that's in mm. it, it does have a bit of mining history here mm. that's that was my next question actually do you think a miner could have put it well obviously they could have 
etch their initials into a tree or a symbol or it, it doesn't doesn't represent any kind of English or any but kind I of think, language like a tell. I think it takes away sorry, from what yep. we know about bipedal um you know, beasts, Bigfoot, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, you know, we're told they're intelligent. We're told they can hide from us. You know, that's why they're so evasive. At times, that seems like a convenient excuse. However, I haven't ever heard of them etching anything on a log up until this point. So are we think it's something more intelligent or we think it's just could be anything? I think it's a good idea to, to, to keep open because they do make... It's thought that they do make structures out like big X formations, giant teepees, and all kinds of really strange forest kinds of art where they put like these big branches together, and um, it's not not natural, not natural um, mm. foliage from trees. I see what you're saying. You know, I've seen all the the teepees that kind of said to made shelters and makeshift shelters out of branches and, and so forth. Um, but this is obviously a lot more intricate and, and requires use of an opposable thumb more than likely, doesn't it? That's right. So how does that sit in the, in the, in the ape side of things, if we're describing, or is it, if the theory is that they're some sort of giant ape? See, I, I, I don't know about that because I, <clears throat> I don't know. In my what I've read and in, in my belief and experience, I think they're more along the lines of a, a people, another mm-hmm. tribe of, of people more so than an ape. And I, I do know that the native, a lot of Native Americans used to use, um, for a lack of a better term, like tree language. Mm. Um, for example, laying even branches or setting branches in a particular way, which coming along on a path and it, um, you come across a symbol mm. for your tribe, and it might be um, good hunting this way or. Um, Point, yeah. Point, yeah, keep. They weren't texting a, an emoji or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, you know? no, no. So they'd, they'd use different symbols laid out in the bush for different pathways and things like that. And I, I'm. So I'm, you, you're of the opinion, or so I'm just assuming from what you've told me, um, you're sort of heading more down towards an undiscovered humanoid species with, with sort of slightly underdeveloped an Australopithecus africanus kind of kind of thing. I mean, we've had reports of. Bigfoot-like creatures, particularly in Siberia and places like that, and people said that basically the face of a man, but the features of a of a you know shaggy ape, effectively. Yep. That's sort of the, the line of thinking for you. I struggle again. I'm still very open to the concept, but I I I don't. Their intelligence. It's. I think it's beyond what we can fathom. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, there are a lot of strange phenomena that come along with these experiences and um, a lot of these phenomena are strange as they are. They, they have been spoken about for hundreds of years or mm. as, as long as these beings have been spoken about. Um, so what anomalous stuff did you did you come across? Obviously we've talked about the trees. Yep. Rightly or wrongly, I mean, that could be explained away in some way. Obviously it's a place that seems quite remote from what you've told me and it hasn't got thousands of people you know forestry workers or miners crawling all over it or even even sort of pleasure seekers so it seems a bit strange there's there's no way to get a digger in there there's no pathways it's very steep very thick foliage mm-hmm. the usual bush is very rugged and very hard to get through it is very hard to get we through we use a machete right. to get out there i mean yeah. there are no pathways 
uh, this is a wild area and so that's was one thing that really stood out to me was what did this along with the other stuff that was going on mm-hmm. i put to get together a, a, a puzzle of, of something and that's i at first i didn't had no idea that new zealand even had a bigfoot mm-hmm. i mean i grew up here sure so anyway, back to any anomalous <laughs> phenomena. Did you what, what did you come across? Did some of you thought it's a little bit weird? Um, well, while we were out there, I going. Um, I haven't had actually a good chance to go through and watch all the video and audio that Mark has had. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm unfortunately with my family being moved around a lot in the last seven months, so things have been a bit um, hectic. But um, throughout the time that we were out there, there were countless times that I stopped and had asked Mark did you hear that or you know things that I thought were um, like stones hitting the ground or something banging on a tree Mm. Um, there were various times where I thought I heard voices but as soon as we stopped everything else would stop but that's also another phenomena associated with them is their intelligence and being able to stealthily follow people Mm. taking steps when people take steps and stopping when they stop and mark did you did you hear anything at the same time as devon did yes i heard one of the first things i heard when we got in there usually stuff happens in the first 10 minutes when when you get into the actual ravine area there was something knocking on a tree that was picked up by one of the camera mics i heard it with my ears i said devon do you hear that there was something knocking on a tree a deliberate tapping for about 30 seconds so this is caught on one, one of the camera audios uh, and there are voices that uh, and you will we'll hear a little bit later um, a couple of those samples that are picked up um, on audio camera audio hmm. okay why don't we get to some of those samples now have you got them ready for us or we have to um, chit chat a bit longer I, I, <laughs> I, I do have them here so I've got to hold the speaker up to them and just to explain just we'll, we'll just take a moment for you to get to ready just when you do it just explain what we're hearing and and whereabouts you were at the time what you were doing that sort of thing okay well this first one has a really high-pitched voice and I'm hoping that we'll, we'll transition through the mic so you guys can hear properly um, I and, th- and just to let everybody know this is the first time that Devon's heard any of these these voices and okay. uh, Jim, you heard one of them at one time. So, so here we go. So hopefully, just let me know if, the, if it works. Hey, friends. I feel like coming here, like I'm in a. I'm in another zone. Yep. Hello, friend. Um, Something like it that? Sounds, uh, let me play that last one again. What's it say? One more time. Road freak. Something friend, right? Uh, road, road freak? Road freak. Now, what have you, <laughs> have you ever heard of that before? A road freak. What Have you ever heard anyone use that in English? No, nah, it's, it's a strange thing to say. Well, you know, you know what I think it means? No. That's my opinion. Because they don't use, they don't use pathways, they don't use roads to... to to, to them, we seem strange because we use roads, we use pathways, they don't. They walk straight up through the bush through hills. They don't, they don't have the same amenities like we do, mm-hmm. uh, infrastructure. So that seems, that's to me what I think they're saying when they're saying road freak. Well, you, you're, you're strange because you, your people use roads. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think it means, Dave? 
I don't know. But First of all, do you think it says road freak? Because I, I, I heard friend personally. That's one more time. Go on. Let's do one more. Okay. Road freak. It's something. Road freak. I'm, road freak. I'm thinking friend still to me. Yeah, some people it could be a Yanni V. Laurel situation, yeah. but... Yeah, it's, it's hard, hard. Yeah. It's now, a tough one. Now, this first voice, um, I actually came across the same personality about two years before this recording. Why, why do you think there's the same personality? Um, because I picked up the same voice, and I, I felt this female energy right when I got this EVP. Now, we had just descended down into the ravine, and this voice greets... Basically, see. I think. Uh, see if what you can tell what she's saying. So, hi, hey friends. I feel like coming here. Like I'm in a. I'm in another zone. So there's a little slight ramp up. I do hear. I do hear a female kind of sunny voice. It, it, well, it, certainly a high pitched voice. Yeah, it says Mark, and, and it ramps up right before it says my name. So that's kind of really weird about that voice. Mark. Okay, I didn't hear Mark, but I'm going to listen to it again. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, just, uh, you know. And then we'll ask Devin his opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about this. Um, best heard with headphones, of course. Hey, friends. I feel like coming here, like I'm in a... I'm in another zone. Yeah. So... Anyway. It's certainly creepy sounding. It is. <laughs> I'll give her that. Now, was this at a stage where you were with Mark when he picked up these EVPs? For lack of a better term, what are we calling these? He picked up a female EVP when once whilst I was out with him, and that, yep. I don't know was that before or after we I, heard the. I, I picked up the same female. I got her about two years ago. Why do you? Th- why do we think it's the same female? First of all, um, it's got the same high pitched voice to it. But a lot of females have high-pitched voices, don't they? Well, that's pretty high. That's <laughs> like something off, I don't know, Walt Disney has a pretty high, <laughs> yeah. high-pitched voice. Um, <clears throat> this is the voice we got when we first went in there. And then um, the second one, uh, where it actually copies what I'm saying. I'm talking about the, the trees got ripped down. Mm. And I'm pointing, and I'm showing, you know, pointing out to Devin. Now, we didn't realise that this voice, and it sounds to be yelling out. Yeah. So go tree, tree like twice. Can I have that once more, please? Yeah. Think it's that tree here. Yeah. Okay. Not the squawk. We're excluding no, no, the squawk. No, no. It's like saying tree. That's a parrot or something. Yeah, okay. saying tree, like that, and it's, mm. like, it's mimicking. One. And I, that's happened to me quite a bit out there. Like I even said last time I was out there, I, I was doing a poem in this in this forest with the vines, and I said the word roll and then a voice comes right in after I said it, and so I get fine. I get mimicked quite a bit. Like I'll say a word and they'll say it in their own voice. Mm. And did you pick up anything anomalous in terms of in, ter- in terms of voices or anything like that? Um, I believe on the the uh, headset and that that I was wearing, I picked up quite a few things that um, I didn't hear in person. Mm. Um, I did hear a lot of strange things, but just things that I c- just forest we couldn't sounds explain. Though, or? Um, 
some of them. Because obviously if you remove the sound of a city, you know, the, the hum that's in the background, you can always hear, you know, regardless of where you're in a city, there's always a little bit of a hum, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you remove that completely um, to such an isolated area, you tend to be become ultra, you know, perceptive, don't you? Or your hearing becomes like, a like, lot more perceptive. Like, like um, maybe, a parallel, maybe sometimes paralladolia too, if you've got, like, mm. you know, animals making sounds. Sure. Yep. But, uh, what, what do we call it the other week? It was Sam came up with a. There's a name for it, isn't there? It's like audio pareidolia, but it's, uh, make, it's, got, it's make, got a slang term. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know what he. Don't know. Let's just go with that for now. Yeah, pareidolia. Because <laughs> there's um, yeah. visual pareidolia, then there's audio pareidolia too. Yep. Yeah. The visual pareidolia is when people see like a uh, you know burnt face of Jesus in their vocals. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're all aware of that. <laughs> anyway, more experiences from you, please, because obviously you're the impartial person who's who's yeah. out on this mission with Mark. Well, I, I um, was actually quite surprised to find the footprint that we come across, and I, I didn't quite notice it at the time, but Mark pointed out he'd come across in the past in the same location, like these glyphs, and apparently this, um, I don't know if Mark's got a picture on of it with him at the moment, but... This footstep, um, or this footprint, for lack of a better term, was uh, in the most blatant spot, and it had a glyph that Mark described around it, and it was almost like it was right in right in the middle of our path where we were going, and it was mm. very clear. And it was a, a bare footprint. Or I don't mean a bear as an animal. I mean it was not wearing a shoe. Is what uh, I'm getting at. Uh, yeah, from, from okay. what I could best tell. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't completely fresh, but it was a big foot. Mm. Like I had my size, I'm a size 11, 11 and a half boot. Yep. And this thing was bigger than my size and 11 and a half boot. Really? So. And it's how pretty, much, pretty how much indentation foot. was in the ground? Obviously, you can tell a lot of the size of a, an animal by you know how far into the ground its footprint is. Um, There's probably at least a few centimeters into the into the mud. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like a kind of a creek boggy area. Mm. Which is actually a really, really great place to make castings. Mm -hmm. But yep. there were other prints there too. There were little juvenile ones as well, too, a little bit further along, which we came across as well. And how did they look? That, did they look animal or did they look humanoid? That the, even uh, the smaller ones even looked humanoid. And I was saying to Mark, this is this is not a place where I'd want my kids running around because you know mm. we were also finding various places where we'd see where pigs had been rutting. You know, big mm. New Zealand wild pigs are pretty vicious too. Yeah. You know don't want your kids getting caught near one of those things so no um yeah those those little footprints were bizarre yeah <laughs> i f i found i uh, found another one by the creek by what i call the sasquatch playhouse area that i took him to i found this bottle and these these bricks inside these this small grouping of cowrie trees and a group of about 30 or 40 of them had been moved i found this wall this fresh wall when I came back, the time after that was gone. There was one left, and then there were the older ones inside the tree. You know, just like kids would make like a little playhouse. It was almost like that. But who would move these heavy cinder blocks out of a very wild area? That would you probably need like a helicopter. I mean, there's just no practical way to carry these 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 blocks out of the bush. There, it's crazy. Hmm. What if you had a little mining train though? Could uh, they be moved on that? It's um, 
where, where would the tr- I, I wouldn't there's no, I, tracks, no, there's no tracks I, I wouldn't be able to tell you where where the, the track would be where they would be taking it to it's very dense all around like you mm. can't basically you've got to walk 10 feet in front of you to see another 10 feet yeah you um it's yeah very hard to see how did, how did it make you feel kind of spiritually and because you're, you're a pretty trippy cat you know what i mean like how did it make you um you know did it did, did you did you tune into a different frequency um i definitely felt there was an, an energy in the place mm. but whether you know i did have my um there are many, many stories even about them being able to perceive our uh, our intentions and what we're, you know, aiming to achieve when we actually go into their environment. And I you know, remain really open-minded, like Mark said, because I wasn't really sure how they would respond to me being there as well, you know. Obviously, he's formed his own little relationship with them and has had his interactions I didn't really know what to expect, whether anything would happen um, or nothing at all. So I, I remained yeah. open to the possibility of stuff happening. And there were definitely some strange things that I, I couldn't explain. Mm. Um, yeah, and I don't think... Um, Mark and I remained open-minded throughout the experience and were... Open-minded, but nothing was conclusive to you? It, yeah, uh, conclusive on either side. So we, yeah. we couldn't prove one way or another that it was a t- particular type of bird that did it or that it was what we thought it was that made the noise. Mm. Um, but, I mean, the, when you found the footprint, that's well, and you mentioned there's a smaller footprint as well, that's pretty compelling evidence, isn't it? Yeah. Did you take a cast of it? You said... Um, not those particular ones. I have taken a couple of casts in the past and earlier footprints. Some yeah. of them are very clear. You can see the toes in there. Mm. I mean... Logically, who would walk around with this cutty grass, blackberry, um, no shoes? On. Yeah, yeah. It, it is completely foreign. And you know, us, you know, us in today's society, we wear shoes. Our, our feet are very soft. You know, we can't handle that kind of rub. Maybe like you know, like native people could. You know, live mm. in jungles, but not us and not modern man. No, there'd be mosquitoes galore. Oh, yeah, there's a lot in too. summertime it's, there. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be an unpleasant place to set up camp, probably. Yeah, yeah. it's not okay. a tourist. It's not a tourist location. No. <laughs> Even if you're a hermit, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't really? want to be there. No. Yeah. no, it's just too wet. Yeah, there's no real sort of stable ground um, where you won't get wet. There's a few odd places, but there's a lot of runoff where water would come down. So it's yep. not where. Um, I had, you know, I wondered if somebody had been living there. There are places I've come across where I've been bushwalking, come across people, but I couldn't imagine somebody staying there or living there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just very, very inhospitable, and I just couldn't imagine, especially barefoot. Mm. Um, Mike has his machete with him, but we're, I was basically using my sleeves to push through a lot of stuff because it is cutty grass. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't even want to be running through there, to be honest. So what would be the attraction of that sort of terrain to a bipedal Sasquatch? Moihau man. It's got good natural defences where public don't... So they can they can stay there without being bothered by the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Except when Mark Capel comes along. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's what about the mozzies, though? They'd be all, they'd be all over that well, big hairy man, wouldn't well, they? Well, they, they're covered with, with hair, so they're more... Better protected than we are, mm. so I, yeah, I don't know. 
Mm. They, they, they can deal with conditions. They're, they're made for the wild. We aren't. Mm. You were mentioning earlier, um, I thought actually it might have been your bio, Devin, when I was, I was reading it before yep. the show. Um, the Down the central plateau of New Zealand, I think you mentioned there was a, a Maori name for, uh, tell me again, the Maori name for the region was basically named after I, b- I believe <laughs> the it's creature. The, yeah, the Southern the Southern Alps. Oh, Southern I, Alps, was yep. it? Sorry, my mistake. I do know that, because um, there is a um, instrumental done by an orchestra also of the same name, but the, the Maori name for the place was Nga Puki Maero Ero, which mm-hmm. is the hills of the hairy man. Really? Okay. So yeah, make of that of what you will, but there are quite a few stories about the place, and um, one of them, interestingly enough, is a European account of a man out hunting who, um, I don't quote me, but I think he might have been hunting wicker. Yep. Um, when when it was still legal at the time, and um, yeah, he apparently shot this bird, and this bird was scooped up and taken <laughs> off quite swiftly, and. Yeah. When did that date back to you, that signing? Um, this is for very early, oh, not very early, early 1900s. So I think it was yep. about the t- between the 20s, between the 20s and 60s. Okay. Um, I'm a little hazy on my reference of that story, but yeah, mm. it's going back quite quite early. It's amazing. We've touched on this before, but how many indigenous cultures have stories of hearing men? Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, it is strange, isn't it? That they and you know none of these tribes would have had any recent contact with each other they may have when they came from their original homelands um well you know at least the the gene pool would have so to speak um but it's just that these stories have followed them all around the world um because it just much every culture has, has got some sort of story haven't they yes i mean bigfoot has hundreds into thousands of different names mm. especially people like the aborigines you know, li- those that live close to nature, yep. where they have to go into the bush for their food or whatever, mm-hmm. they're more likely to have interaction. And yep. and it's quite amazing how you look at all these cultures and they have the same story about this, this wild people that live out there that, that don't live out in the open area like, like us humans, modern mm. humans do. Interesting times. Definitely. Are you going to go back again? Oh, I. Uh, if I had the funds, I would be out there full time doing yep. doing research. Absolutely. What about you, Mark? We know you're going to be back there. Uh, yeah, last time I was out there, um, there were actual bipedal footsteps in the area where we where we got those footprints in the lower. How do you determine their bipedal footsteps? Well, you hear stomp, stomp, stomp like that. Mm. Very powerful. I've had them pretty close to me in the past, and this when I had this stuff happen, I was like, "What the heck is happening in this area?" You know, this is when I had no idea of Bigfoot in New Zealand. I, I, and I started researching. What could this be? I have the paranormal background. I've had situations with ghosts, but not in the wild. And, of course, I was by Skidmore Ranch. I had this Bigfoot-like uh, encounter over there where a rock had been thrown by us. It sounded like an explosion when it hit the ground. Now, people that interact with them, they sometimes get gifts from them. They will weave little intricate, like, dolls and um, little gifts but people interact with them too, it happens. Really? Where would I view one of these dolls? Well, uh, Mike Patterson over in Ontario, Canada, he has some amazing vocals, and he's had an ongoing uh, interaction with them for probably nine years or so, and he's gotten gifts, he's gotten marbles. Sometimes they, they'll weave a marble um, within um, little, little twigs in that, and they'll weave it quite 
uh, intricately together too. Sometimes you'll get like little dolls made out of things from the forest, things you can find from the forest. And uh, this is this is happening. So this is what gives them a very like a human quality. Like they have feelings just like we do, mm. and they can gift and and people gift them too. Mm. What about a long lost race? That that's sort of the way I'm leaning. People, yeah. people are seeing something, aren't they? Definitely. All around the world, people are seeing something. It can't all just be bears. It can't be all just mistaken identity. Yeah, well, in New Zealand, what, what else? What do we have? You know, mm. really, um, we don't have any real natural predators of, of any sort of kind either. No. One of the arguments people use is we don't hear any more stories of Bigfoot. People seeing Bigfoot, but you know what? We don't hear about them in the paper. But I tell you what, with me having a YouTube channel. I, I get I get at least uh, a contact a month with people telling me about their encounters. Really, and in New Zealand. In New Zealand. Any any other spots aside from sort of the Coromandel where you go? Um, what are the hot spots? Well, there's the Kranahaki Gorge. There, there's been 1903. They found some giant fossilized prints there. Uh, also, um, cryptozoologists. Um, um, actually, a couple have come over here. I'm trying to think of his name now. Um, uh, one man from Australia, cryptozoologist, uh, come over and found some giant footprints over the, also in the Karanahaki Gorge recently. I think believe believe it was like at the 1980s. But there uh, there are people I know people in the DOC. I know people uh, who work with other forms of government who come to me who are doing research similar to me. And I, I, and no one's got anything to gain from telling me this is a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. They've got nothing to gain, nothing to lose, really, when it's like that. But uh, even over um, in the Waitakere's, I was just talking a little bit earlier tonight with you uh, out of the office. Mm -hmm. um, I've gotten at least four separate individuals that have told me about Bigfoot stuff over in West Auckland. I were kind of by your way. Yeah, well, that really interests yes, me. you got yeah, to tell me yeah. where I'm going now. Well, um, just recently a man told me um, that they discovered um, footprints about one and a half times the size of this this adult man's prints on the sand by the tide, land, um, by the tide level um, over on Piha Beach. And he said he was leaping between the, the gate of, of the footprints. Mm. And he right. said he was really shocked. And he said they, then they just disappeared. Um, disappeared into where? Into the into the bush? Into the um, sea? They just well, they just disappeared. That's another thing that happens with footprints. Sometimes there may be just one appear in the snow. I know Mike Patterson has it. See, I would probably take personally. I would probably take the the beach footprints with a grain of salt, giving that a little kid could come along and follow in the footsteps, so to speak, enlarging them. Well, no, these were like one and a half times a regular foot. So these are giant, like like this. So you imagine... Could be in a basketball player, though, couldn't <laughs> it? Hey? But uh, it's kind of interesting. He'd have a huge gate, you see, a basketball player. He was <laughs> seven foot well, tall. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true, but... Especially if you're of high, you know, high fitness level as well, your gate tends to be bigger because you put more there's more bound in your stride, yeah. so to speak. Well, there are these giant prints also found um, in Otago as well. Um, I had been contacted... Uh, about the time that um, this started to go viral with the news outlets, um, I, people will confidentially send me photos of of footprints they found, you know, big ones. Um, sometimes they'll, they'll put their size, say, their size 11 boot there and 
for a comparison shots is quite interesting. Mm. But for people that say there's nothing, it's really uninvestigated. Mm. One thing for me um, is we talk about the, the need for a breeding population and adequate food supply. Wouldn't we find more corpses of... We talked about wild boars, for instance, um, for you know deer corpses and things like that. Um, obviously, the leftovers can be manipulated by the carcass getting eaten by things off the forest floor or whatever, you know, and just yep. nat- the natural breakdown of nitrites back into the earth and and so forth. Why aren't we finding more carcasses that have obviously had their neck broken by a seven foot bipedal beast? Um, I would like to make a comment on You that. can make a comment. Yes. Go for um, it. In history, um, there was a, a man that found a cave with all these bones and shellfish in them, like something wild had been feeding off something in, in the wilderness and leaving this pile of, of, of uh, seashells and bones, um, and along with finding footprints out there too. So there's... There is strange stuff that goes on. Um, there's a lot of berries and stuff, and there's birds that they could catch. Yeah, now see, I've, I hear that argument as well about the berries. Um, they feed on berries, and I've seen various illustrations and, and Sasquatch books and things. But if you're if you're seven to eight feet tall, you're probably sort of three to four hundred kilos. Mm. You need a few few berries off the tree, aren't you? Yeah, well, to yeah, sustain that, that side of size. Well, so yeah, just the, the calorific. Sorry, that calorie input. Uh, actually, there's a report um, in the South Island, a man who ran a pub. Um, I actually spoke to a person who knows him, and um, he said he caught a Bigfoot stealing veggies out of the freezer. Garden. Yeah, I've heard one in the freezer, the Wakatipu Yeti. Oh. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how much truth there is to it, because I saw a guy on the news a few years ago a talking freezer about robber. it. And it was, it's a little freezer robber, and I think it was a... A good old story from down south, if you know what I mean. But, you know, they have talked to the Wakatipu Yeti, which is sort of down the Queenstown region, a resort, resort town in, uh, in New Zealand. There has been quite a lot of reports of, of this sort of thing happening. But, again, it could be just sort of folklore. Who knows? Mm. Until we get, you know, as you know, Mark, I get a little bit frustrated in... I just want some answers, you know what I mean? I want evidence. I want a, I want a corpse. I want something. Do you know what I mean? Do we ever think we'll get to that point? Well, it just sounds too convenient for me to keep for people to keep saying, "Oh, they're so intelligent; they just hide from us and well, so forth." Well, think about the are we dealing are we dealing with an animal or are we dealing with a transdimensional being? And that's why we're not seeing well, them because well, they're just arriving on our in our dimension for, well, for whatever mean, reason. There was a man by, uh, who runs a channel called Thinker Thunker on YouTube. He actually measured the dimensions on one of the Bigfoot footage. And he said their dimensions fit the Neanderthal, um, length, the, like the length of the bones, like in the arms and the legs. Mm. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, look, the, look the, the panda, how long did, was, did it take for the panda to be discovered? There mm. were, were reports of the panda, and they're not exactly smart. <laughs> no, and the not. mountain gorilla as well. Yeah. Yeah. well that's, that's true, but also in that age, they didn't have the technology we have now. No one had cell phones with cameras on them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, People travel a lot more than they ever used to. People are more adventurous than they ever used to. If you went on a big adventure, you know, 100 years ago, you probably never came home again. You know what I mean? You, you, you died of scurvy or something. Or you went to the new, you know, the new promised land and just never came back because it was too, too far to get home, basically. 
But now people just fly you wherever they want. They've got cameras, they've got all the equipment, technology. They've got they're armed with eyewitness reports, and no one's no one's finding anything. Oh, people do get they do get footage of them um, sometimes. But it's always a grainy blur, isn't it? Well, you think about it. Imagine coming across something that was ape-like and huge. I mean, your your adrenaline level, level is going to be really high. I mm. mean, I mean, I know I was kind of freaked out when st- stuff started happening out there. I I got pretty scared. I climbed straight up a steep uh, slope with my shovel, shoving it to the bank. <laughs> I mean, it was like something off Predator the movie. I mean, really? that's what it felt like. Maybe it's a predator living there. Well, think about Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, they had stuff like Bigfoot over there, and that they were, were able to evade their security cameras and everything that the scientists set up there. But interdimensional sort yes. of yeah capabilities. Mm. They have abilities that, at least some of them, have abilities. Like I had something walk up to me that I couldn't see, and this is why I've gone onto the more interdimensional aspect because I couldn't explain this. Whatever they were walked right up to me, and I was like, I was taking a leap before I left the area. And I also I hear someone, and I was embarrassed because I was like, "Oh gosh, they're going to see me standing there, you know, doing my thing." And, and 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 the footsteps come right up to me. I could not see them. Really. And this is what's ghost. There's a ghost-like aspect, at least to these beings. Now I I don't know about other situations, but uh, there's people like Mike Patterson who've had you know stuff coming to his house. Uh, Do you mean? When you say ghost-like aspect, do you mean you're thinking these beings are from the spiritual realm, or? Um, well, they could, they seem to be able to cross dimensions. Okay. I mean, I mean there's even people that say that about uh, Mothman, and uh, you know. Well, it, so- it sounds a bit like um, the Grey Man of Ben McDuians in Scotland, doesn't it? And um, yeah, um, people talk about a negative energy. No one's ever really. Um, they said they feel its presence as opposed to seeing a you know a spectral vision or a bipedal ape or anything like that. And they hear it crunching around and they get a sick feeling. And um, see again, I think the fact that they're up on a mountain, quite often in adverse weather conditions, it can play a little few tricks on your you know with your mind. Um, is that what we're dealing with? I I don't know. I I do know a lot of these people experience um, before they have even seen anything. It's like this huge, intense fear, essentially out of nowhere, and then. But isn't isn't that the anticipation and the anxiety of them being in that environment? If you know, if you say I'm going out with Mark chasing Bigfoot, you're going to be naturally apprehensive, aren't you? Um, that's true. Yeah, and and heightened alert. You know. A, a lot of um, a lot of these accounts are also coming from people who are having chance encounters as well, though, rather than actually going out there with the intention of looking for a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Mm. So um, people going for a hike um, are having these same feelings. And they're sceptics too that have this. Like I got a report from three um, trampers that went up Mount Mahoy that has quite a history with New Zealand's Bigfoot and the Patapere. And they heard this howl at about 1 a.m. They were sleeping up on top of the mountain. And they said they all fled the mountain at pace, in quotations, down this mountain. And these men, they didn't want to be interviewed, but they said they were very disturbed. They could not identify this howl with any known animal. So whether you, you just got to be in those areas for stuff to happen. Mm. I mean, there's hunters that have had things. Um, there's people that, that some people who have worked for the government that have contacted me, 
who found structures and footprints like what I have, um, it's across the board. You've just got to be out in those areas. And I, I say you've got to get off track mm. to have a better, a better chance of um, finding things. And just finally, plans for the summer. Um, you're going to head back to the research area again. What, what's the next focus? I know you're in the middle of a documentary at the moment, so you probably have to get some more footage, right? Yes, uh, I have got lots of footage to pour through. Yep. Um, last time I was out there, I heard these footsteps where we found the the footprints when I was with Devin the time before. Um, so I want to go back there. Um, they pulled. I saw a branch get pulled. I saw some kind of movement. Basically, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is record with my point of view cameras what's going on and capture whatever happens on camera because look hey i want to make sure that i'm not experiencing psychosis so i review my things i go over the south to make sure hey. well i mean from hearing what you've you've picked up you've obviously got some tangible stuff there it's um it's not just in your head because i can hear it as well unless it's in all three of our heads and we're all total whack jobs what do you reckon <laughs> no, nah, there's there's more going on here, and I think it yep. um, does deserve a lot more investigating, eh? Yep, excellent. It's um, quite surprising that not more people are having a look in our own backyard. Mm. Well, I suppose it's convincing people of the validity of it, isn't it, is the, is the main stepping stone to it all? Yep. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Devin, um, who's been... Out doing some investigating with uh, paranormal investigator Mark Capel, who's compiling his documentary at the moment. Uh, it's good to have them both on Occam's Razor, episode 15, I think. 15. <laughs> um, and we'll catch everyone next time, and I'll leave you with uh, traditional creepy haunted house music. That was Occam's Razor, episode 15, live on East FM 88.1, 107.1, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>